Last Sunday, we talked about what is the DNA of our church, and we talked about our core uh, values, we talked about uh, our purpose, our mission, our mission, building and restoring relationships that what? Last forever. And we talked about how it happens in community, and there's that glorious picture of us standing around a van. By the way, the van is getting some uh, decoration this week. They've printed everything out. It starts being applied tomorrow, next week. You're going to see this van that is just going to blow your socks right off. But what's important about it, it says right on the van, Building and restoring relationships that last forever. And we talked about some measures in our life. How can we really measure if we're really being the church that God wants us to be? And remember I asked you some questions. Do you have any 2 a.m. friends? Remember that? Do you have friends in your life that are part of the body of Christ? And even not in the body of Christ, but fellow Christians, fellow believers, that you know that if there's a crisis in your life, you can call them at 2 a.m. and you know they're going to look at the caller ID and they're going to say, oh, I'm going to take that call. And then more importantly, does anybody else consider you to be a 2 a.m. friend? Do you have people in your life that is your band of brothers, so to speak? In fact, you know, that, that's a, sometimes a, almost a cliche, but it's, it's a good image and that is... If you were to take a picture of your family, and, and I'm talking extended family, your friends, your band of brothers, whose picture are you in? Is your face hanging on someone else's wall other than your family's? And who's in your picture that you count on as a band of brothers? Those were really the two questions I left you last week because when you come to Christ, you are brought into this new community, this new family, this new dynamic. And if we could take a picture of those people in your life that, that speak into your life, that influence you, the people that speak truth to you, who are loyal, dependable, that bring comfort, the kind of stand-by-me kind of guy. Who would be in your picture? Whose picture would you be in? So how do you build relationships and restore relationships that last forever? How are they grounded in truth? There are two events in the life of Jesus. And when you read them in Mark, and by the way, we're going to be in Mark chapter 10, but when you read them, and you can start turning there, but when you read them, you think, these are two disconnected events. There's going to be this one event that has to do with little children and their parents and another event about a rich young ruler. And at first glance, they seem disconnected. But when we pull back the lens a little, we're going to see that no, 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 not at all. They have plenty to teach us about building relationships. Event number one, we're not quite there to our slides yet, not, not yet. I'm just going to go over the, the events and we'll read our text. Event number one, people are bringing their children to Jesus to bless them, to have him touch them, to have him pray over them. Now, this is not unusual. It's not unusual for a rabbi in Jerusalem or in Palestine to be famous and they bring a baby to be touched and prayed over by the rabbi. That's not unusual. Luke mentions the word for infant, and Mark and Matthew mention the word for toddler. So these are little guys 
that have to be carried and they have to fight their way through the throng and the crowd to get to Jesus. And the disciples are running crowd control. They don't want Jesus to be bothered by these little kids because don't you know that Jesus is ushering in the kingdom of God? Don't you know that he's starting a revolution? Don't you know how important this is? He doesn't have time to lay his hands on little children. What do children bring to Jesus? (laughs) Really nothing. They don't have any talent. They don't have any money. Do you know any kid that has money? No, no, no kids have money. They don't have power. They've got nothing to offer towards the revolution. They've got nothing to offer Jesus. And so the disciples are like, yeah, come back another time. Shop's closed. They have no abilities and they're really quite a, kind of helpless. In fact, everywhere they go, they have to be carried. Ah, event number two is about a rich young ruler. Now, whether the crowds are big or small, coming or going, he has enough prestige, he has enough power, has enough wealth, and I I bet you too, I bet you he was really good looking. Now, the text doesn't say he wasn't good looking, but I bet you he's good looking. I think he's got everything that a culture would put on a pedestal. Money, wealth, power, position, and probably good looks. And what do the disciples do with him? Oh, you you get to come to the top of the line. Here, come. Come see Jesus. So the disciples don't want the children to come, but when they see this promising guy that can bring a lot to the revolution, he's got it all, baby. He goes straight to the top of the line. Now, their thinking is, is Jesus could use some people in high places, right? I mean, isn't that the way we think? Instead of being helpless, he's got everything. He's even young. Now, these two could not be further opposites. Do you see that? The baby's got nothing to offer Jesus. In, in the eyes of the disciples, this rich young ruler has a, everything to offer Jesus. From being helpless to being self-sufficient and, and being able to help others. Now, in event number one, Jesus gets irritated with the disciples. He, in fact, we're going to read in just a moment that he says, if you're going to enter into my kingdom, you must become what? Like a little child. By faith, children trust others to care for them, don't they? They provide for them, protect them. Children are totally dependent on others. We enter into God's kingdom by faith like children. We're helpless. We're unable to save ourselves. Totally dependent on the mercy and the grace of God. Are you with me on that? So if we must become like children, what attributes is Jesus referring to? What attitudes is Jesus referring to? What behaviors is Jesus referring to? Well, uh, openness. Uh, willingness to receive. Do you ever offer a piece of candy to a child and he says, I'm sorry, I can't accept that. No, they're, they're happy to, right? 
Toddlers are happy to be taken care of. There's an attitude. There's an openness. It's like, well, Jesus here, let me help you. You know, it's no, no. There's a sense of humility. Uh, there's a sense of helplessness. A sense of lack of hypocrisy. You know, with a toddler, what you see is what you get, isn't it? I, uh, kindergartners are, are quite fun because what you get is what you see. And it is so awesome and refreshing that these kids don't even know how to pose. They don't even know how to be fake. They don't even know how to wear a mask. They just are who they are. And they feel comfortable to be loved and accepted and who they are. And little kids can be obedient, you know. And that's just, that's what kids do. Kids should be obedient. Let me say that, Brock and Ian. Children should be obedient to their parents, okay? And we trust. Acceptance of authority, confidence in other people. We have short memories as kids. Remember when you got in a fight when you were second grade with your best friend and you thought you were never going to speak to them again and then by the next day they're having a sleepover at your house? Because we have short memories. God is asking us to come into his kingdom like that as children. Totally, totally, totally dependent on God. Now, the rich young ruler has a lot of baggage, we're going to find out. He has some obstacles in the way that he's tried to become a baby. He's depending on his youth, his wealth, and his power. And he's going to have to throw those things away if he's going to be like a baby. Because he's totally dependent on whom? Who is the rich young ruler totally on himself? And Jesus is saying, you got to throw that away. You gotta get, you're going to have to. That's, that's a stumbling block for you. It may not be for some other people, but it's a stumbling block for you. Having money, there's nothing wrong with having money. If you have some extra, throw it my way. There's nothing wrong. But the love of money that causes you to be greedy or causes you to trust in riches instead of the one who gave you the riches, that's where the rich young ruler's at. He is trusting in all the wrong things. He has to become helpless and vulnerable and totally depend on his heavenly father. So what do these two events have to do with building relationships, restoring relationships that last forever? What do these two events have to do with who's in your photograph or who's your 2 a.m. call? Plenty. But instead of focusing on the babies and the parents and the rich young ruler, that's why I kind of told you what the text was about because we're going to read the text but through a different lens. I'm going to challenge you to look at the heart of Jesus, the perspective and in, in, in what Jesus is doing in, in the text, not what the rich young ruler is doing and not what the babies are doing. I want you to look at the heart of Jesus. So you have your Bibles open to Mark chapter 10. We're going to pick it up at verse 13. We're not going to read all the way through, but you're going to get enough to see the heart of Jesus. And he is the one that teaches us how to build relationships, how to restore relationships that are forever. Because I know we have broken relationships, don't we? We have broken relationships with our siblings. I know I could improve in that area. I do. 
uh, uh, broken relationships with relatives. And so all of this is applicable. All of this is. Okay, let's begin. Mark chapter 10, verse 13. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. So you see the motive of the parents. And the disciples, I don't know what your version says, but mine says rebuked. That's a harsh word. Rebuked them, the parents. Verse 14, but when Jesus saw it, he was what? Indignant. You didn't ever think that Jesus got mad? Oh yeah, he got mad plenty of times. He's indignant and said to them, you, I imagine, I don't know if Jesus ever pointed his finger, but I would hate to have been the one being pointed at. But I think he might have been pointing his finger and said, you let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. And then he teaches. He has this moment and he teaches into it. And he says, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child, not as a child, but like a child, shall what? Not enter it. Ooh, man, Jesus draws a pretty thick and bold line right here. And he took them what? In his arms and blessed them laying his hands on them. You talk about a tender moment. Here's the hubbub of the crowd. The parents are trying to get to Jesus. Jesus rebukes his disciples and he gathers up a child, an infant, and maybe caresses his cheek. Maybe, don't you just love to rub little, little infant's heads? You know, that fine little hair. Look at the fingers and toes. And Jesus is gazing into this child. I don't know if he had this thought when he was on the cross. Why am I on the cross, Father? And he had this memory to reflect back upon. But he, he touches them and blesses them. He speaks grace over them. So many times we use our tongue to be critical of others. But Jesus uses his tongue to what? To bless he blesses these children. So magnificent. So here's the very first fill in the blank. I want you to see that Jesus, because we're looking at it from his perspective, Jesus was approachable. His disciples didn't think he should have been, but Jesus is approachable. He wants to be engaged. He's not in a citadel, he's not in a tower sitting on a throne allowing all the little people of his kingdom to fend for themselves. If you've got a problem, who do you go to? You go to Jesus. He's approachable. He's not going to say, get out of here. He's not going to say, your problem's too little. He's not going to kick you to the curb. Have you ever heard that phrase before? It was popular a few years ago. He's not going to run the bus over you. He is approachable. He's concerned about you and he wants to touch you. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Jesus wants, because he said, be like a child. A child is vulnerable. I don't know if you've ever had a dog before, but we had a dog that was once abused and every time you would lift your hand, what did he do? Reacted that way. Gracie, our new dog, has never been abused. So when I put my hand, what does she do? She wants to lick it. What's your attitude towards God? Are you afraid of Him? Or do you want to touch His hand that's reaching out to you? 
Because this passage tells you he is approachable. He wants to be engaged. It's more than just being friendly. So to build relationships, Jesus, he, he's approachable. My dad, bless his heart, for many years he walked away from the Lord. But in the latter years of his life, he came back. And he had a wood, wood shop. And he made a little sign that said this, it's me again, Lord. He made it out of wood and he hung it in his wood shop. And it reflected what was really going on in his life. Now catch this. My dad felt so unworthy for all the things that he did in his life that he didn't think that he'd be received by God, that he couldn't get past the gatekeeper, that he just wasn't good enough. And so he had this sign that he made that he had problems, and he was like, I'm sorry, God, to be bothering you, but it's me again, and I have some problems. And I wanted to take that sign and burn it. (laughs) I wanted to break it because it was a false narrative of our heavenly father that loves my father loves you and loves me and he's approachable notice too that in this here's the second one jesus was engaged he was engaged i think that's what i have engaged yes engaged in others lives he wasn't a standalone guy he did not wind up the universe and walk away He's engaged in our lives if, it's a big if, if we invite him in. He is such a gentleman that he's not going to force himself upon you. That would be abusive. You might, uh, Lawrence, you might have uh, uh, termites in your house, and I know you have termites in your house, but I'm not going to go tent your house unless you give me what? Permission. Because I will not force myself upon you. And God's not going to force himself upon you. But once you invite him into your life, man, he's engaged. And then the third part is this. Jesus was, he wanted to be a blessing to others. That's how you build relationships. You're approachable, right? You are engaged in other people's lives and you want to be engaged to bless them. Now let's go back let's go back to event number 2. Go back to the text with me. Verse 17. And as he was setting out on his journey a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, "Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life?" And Jesus said to him, "Uh, why are you calling me good? Uh, We'll get to that little nuance in a minute. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud on your father and mother. Verse 20 tells you where this this young person this young rich young ruler is he said to him teacher all these I have kept from my youth and Jesus looking at him I don't know what your text says but my text says what Jesus Jesus's heart is just breaking over this he just loves this guy 
He just loved him. He said, loved him. And he said, he said to this, you lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Come be with me. Come spend time with me. Come hang out with me. Verse 22, it says, disheartened by what Jesus told him, by the saying, he went away, what? Sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He gets through the crowd control. He comes and he calls Jesus good teacher. And he kneels before him. He's posturing himself. Because the rich young ruler is pragmatic and politically savvy and smooth. Because you and I know that in a business deal, if I treat you favorably, you're going to do what? You're going to treat me favorably, right? Because that's the way of the world. And this guy is in the world and he's coming to Jesus and he's going to want an easy answer. He's going to want a good answer. He wants to walk away from that day confident that he can stay exactly how he's at or who he is. And I have to change one thing about his life and go to sleep at night. But something inside is gnawing him. He knows that he's missing something about this walk with God. Now, in the Jewish community in the Old Testament, uh, there's a commentary called the Talmud. Have you ever heard that before, that, that phrase, Talmud? It is a Jewish commentary on Jewish law, and it was in Jesus' day. And in the Talmud, it said, never call a rabbi good, only God is good. So this rich young ruler knew what he was saying when he said, good teacher. He was either buttering Jesus up, but Jesus is going to lead him in a little different direction. Jesus confronts him on his posing and says, why are you calling me good? Now Jesus was being honest. He pulled no punches. What you see is what you get with Jesus. And if the rich young ruler really thought Jesus was good, then Jesus wanted him to connect the dots that if Jesus is good, then he is God. Because the Talmud had said that you only call good, and that's reserved for God alone. Far from a denial of his deity, Jesus said this to get the rich young ruler to act upon it. You're calling me good. Do you mean it? Do you mean it? So Jesus, in building relationships that last forever, you see that Jesus was authentic. That's the event number two, number one, is Jesus was real and authentic. Jesus was transparent. He had no hidden agendas. Jesus wants to be in this guy's photograph. Jesus pushes through the posturing, and he wants to talk about a real issue. Do you ever notice that the real issue is always a hard issue? Every time it's a hard issue, it's not a physical issue. It's always a hard issue. So Jesus gets him to question himself. How you doing on the six commandments that are all horizontal? Do you notice that Jesus doesn't say, how's your relationship with God? He says, how you doing this way? And he says, yeah, go back to the text. He says, uh, I'm good. I haven't murdered anybody. I uh, haven't committed adultery. I haven't had to steal anything. 
No, I don't lie. No, I don't steal. And yeah, I honor my mother and father. I'm doing pretty good. Well, if you were young, rich, and powerful, and had a silver spoon, would it be easy to keep all those commandments? I think it'd be a little easier. That's just me. That's just my my wisdom in it, that if I was rich, I wouldn't have a temptation to steal. If I had position and power and respect and everything was going my way, uh, there's less temptation. So this guy just, I don't know, he's just who he is. I think I could stay out of trouble too. But being real and authentic doesn't mean you're blunt and rude and, uh, and offensive. Notice that what Jesus didn't say. He didn't say, how you doing this way? He wanted him to figure out this before he took him here. And then he does. Anything in the way there? Because Jesus knew he was trusting his wealth more than trusting in God. It's just like what we mentioned a few weeks ago. When Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, he says, go call your husband. And what does the woman say? I have no husband. And then what does Jesus say? That's right, you've had five, and the guy you're sleeping with now is not your husband. Jesus was so real and authentic, but he didn't, like, be rude about it. He was gentle. Being real and helping people in self-discovery is a big part of building good relationships. Another way Jesus was building a relationship is mentioned in verse 21. Go back to it says this, he loved him. He looks and, and he sees what he's lacking in his heart. And that's the next fill in the blank. Jesus loved him. He, he was relational. Well, let's put it that way. Notice Jesus didn't feel sorry for him. Jesus didn't beg him. Jesus didn't chase him. Jesus didn't make excuses for him. The text just says he loved him. Whose photograph are you in? Who do gets the 2 a.m. call? You are in the photo of the one that you truly love. And they want you in their photo. So Jesus was real and authentic, and Jesus was relational. But Jesus was also relevant. That's the third fill in the blank. Jesus was relevant. Jesus told the man what he needed to hear. He didn't enable him. He didn't avoid conflict. He didn't tell the man, what the man wanted to hear. He didn't belittle him. He didn't condemn him. Like I mentioned earlier, he said, look in the mirror. Oh, and here's a washcloth. Because when we look in the mirror, we see what? Smudges and imperfections. So Jesus is truthful and relational enough to tell him the truth, but he doesn't leave him hanging. He does what? He offers him a washcloth. This is what you need to do. You need to just get rid of everything that is encumbering your relationship with God and then follow Him with all your heart. As we used to say in the aughts, it is what it is. I mean, we don't you say that anymore. But we used to 10 years ago, right? It is what it is. Jesus said, it is what it is. So how do we build relationships that last forever? First of all, the vertical has to be right, right? You can't be a poser with God can't be fake with Jesus. And Jesus will always lead you to heart issues, the real ones. 
He doesn't want lip service. He wants us to discover with his help what we need to change. You know, it's one thing for Tammy to tell me how to change. And you all said, amen, right? It's one thing for her to tell me to change. It's a completely different thing for Jesus to tell me to change. But the way he does it is always through self-discovery. That when we discover these flaws in our character, we don't beat ourselves up. Please do not beat yourself up. That is not a childlike attitude, is it? When a child figures out that he's tying his shoes wrong, what does he do? He simply ties them differently. He doesn't beat himself up. And God wants us to do the same thing. He wants to lead us to be like a child. Trusting him, following him, dependent on him. But the rich young ruler was more concerned about rules than the relationship. Are you with me on that? Little children, little infants, they don't even know about rules. All they know is what? Relationship. That's all they know is relationship. In a broken marriage, will rules... Or Jesus, fix your rhetorical question, but give me an answer. Jesus, right? And a self-destructive behaviors. Are more rules in your life going to fix it? Or is Jesus going to fix it? Jesus is going to fix it. In your self-worth, by adding more qualifications to what you have to live up to in order to have in your mind, I'm a good person. Is that going to bring it about or is our self-worth in Jesus? It's always going to be in Jesus. Helpless babies don't even know about rules. All they respond to is relationship. Now it's becoming clear. Jesus said, you must be like a child. It is about relationships. It is about trust. It is about not worrying. Do you think any toddler worries about where his roof is going to be? Or where his bed's, where he's going to sleep? Or what he's going to eat? They just don't care. Why? Because they trust those that are taking care of them. I know there's some really bad parents out there that abuse. and But generally, I, I'm talking... Jesus wants a real relationship with you. And to really build a relationship, you have to deal with those issues that break fellowship. Jesus wants to deal with sin in our lives because he knows how bad it is for us. I like to say it this way. He doesn't want us to stay on the merry-go-round. <laughs> have you ever been on a merry-go-round and you can't get off? It's just perpetual. You're breaking relationships. You're, you're a critical spirit. You're, you're just not happy. We have, Tammy and I have some people in our, in, in our family that are just miserable. And you know what they do? They bring their misery with everything they do, and then they spread it to everybody else. And they can't get off the merry-go-round because they think not like a child. They think they have to do it in their own strength and in their own power. Instead, just trusting. Vertical is right. When we get this right, well, this gets right. Did you notice that? When you, you get right this way, all of this kind of falls into place. 
So you have to be real and genuine and authentic. You have to be secure in who you are in Christ. We have to stop hiding from Jesus. The closer you draw to Jesus, the more authentic you're going to become. You have to do the opposite of what the rich young ruler was trusting in and just become like a child. And we have to love people. That's how we build relationships and restore relationships. You have to be relational. You have to be personally connected. You have to invest in others. You have to know their names. You have to know their joys and frustrations. Now, I've shared this before, but you know what an EGR is? An EGR is extra grace required because we have EGRs in our life. You know those people that are just high maintenance? Say amen. Amen. And God says, be a grace giver. Be a grace giver. Believe the best of them. You, can I tell you a secret? You're an EGR to someone. (laughs) And you have EGRs in your life. And God says, love them enough to care about them to invest in the relationship. And the opposite end of the the spectrum are, are those people that are sweet, low maintenance. You know those sweet, low maintenance kind of people? They're like puppy dogs. You, you can forget to feed the puppy dog, and the puppy dog is still wagging their tail, right? They're happy to see you. Those are sweet, low maintenance people. They are beautiful, and they're a blessing, and, and, and hopefully you're a sweet, low maintenance person to somebody else, and somebody else is to you that way as well. But it's about relationship. Whether they're easygoing or tough to live with, Jesus says, you want to build relationships? Be honest, be authentic, be real, and be loving. Believe the best in other people. Love people where they're at. Don't enable them, but grow the relationship. Be relevant. Deal with the real issues for growth and victory. And we call those what? Come to Jesus meetings. And if you have teenagers, you'll have some come to Jesus meetings, won't you? Yeah. When you get married and you're starting a new life, you have some come to Jesus meetings. Sometimes older in life, you still have come to Jesus meetings where you just are going to say, we're going to hold each other's hands. We're committed to one another. We're going to love one another. It is about our relationship, but we have to deal with some things and let's get it out on the table. Let's let truth be truth and do it in love. Those are come to Jesus meetings and there are relationships. So how do you build relationships and restore them? You're approachable. You engage with all people. <laughs> I know I'm, I'm running just a little tad. Can I ask you a personal question? You don't answer out loud. But do you have friendly eyes? When somebody looks at you, do your eyes light up and and you're like accepting of people? Or do you have those eyes that just are a little, hmm, I don't know if I care for you. I don't know if I'm going to be nice to you. And what kind of engagement do you have? Do you make eye contact? Because there are some people that you don't want to make eye contact with. But Jesus says, how are you going to build a relationship if you don't make eye contact? Are you with me on that? And so do you have friendly eyes? And if you don't have friendly eyes, allow Jesus to give you friendly eyes. He's the one that can give you friendly eyes. To engage with all people. And you're authentic and real, no manipulation, no dishonesty. You're a loving person and you're relevant because the word is in your life and directs you. That's how you end up in somebody's photograph. That's how you end up on the short list of the 2 a.m. people. 
the one person who has to be in your photograph is Jesus. Jesus has to be in that photograph. And he's approachable. He wants to be in your life. As the old saying goes, he traveled 99 steps so that you can just travel one. He waits for you to respond with just one step, the step of walking towards him. And you have to respond. You have termites in your heart. And he wants to tint it. Not because he's mad at you. Because he wants to rescue you. Let me pray. Father God.